0: Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people's side of safety, based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Leading in Learning Through Safety podcast. Hi, I am your host, Mark. So happy that you have made the decision to listen to my podcast, to be a part of this journey into safety and leadership. I really have found over time that safety is that gateway. It's that beginning to all things engagement and really exploring that idea that we lead through, of course, people and influence. And the best way to begin that influence is through safety. Through showing that we fundamentally care about the physical well-being of the people around us. And that's really what, st- what started the idea of where this podcast could be. That we lead through safety. We learn through safety. And it's that first piece of motivation that we all need to really function in a organization. And so one of the things I've come across this week is a news story that I found really interesting and also really sad in a lot of ways. What really bothers me is that this is... Becoming more and more normal when looking at news about safety and looking at news about OSHA, these types of items that we're, I'm about to talk about are becoming more and more common in the news. One, I've had my criticism of safety journalism as being someone who did some journalism stuff years and years ago in radio. I wanted, I felt like just writing about, hey, this issue happened and never following up was just bad for journalism in general or reporting or news. And so it seems that some places are doing better about digging and learning and interviewing people who were involved to get that deeper story, to make it human, to make it real, because safety should be real. We still have, at times, we see some of these lagging companies that the people are just a commodity, They're just another piece of the puzzle that needs to just be there rather than cared for like a human being. And that's unacceptable in so many ways. So this news story, it comes from OHS online. It is from Illinois and just a few weeks ago that it was reported. And so following a notification from the local OSHA office about a fall hazard, a site supervisor allegedly, which probably means it happened, told the contractors that even after five violations and penalties of over $77,000, so even after the penalties were written for fall protection, told his team, the show must go on. And that's the quote that was used, the show must go on, get back up there and get to work. They were working as high as 48 feet off the ground with no protection. And that was the original OSHA thing. OSHA was called out for willful and serious violations of fall protection, guardrails, ladders incorrect, unprotected rebar. That's devastating. When someone, even a shortfall onto unprotected rebar, oh, just... A horrible, horrible injury uh, on top of a fall. And so this contractor that was out here doing the work, this framing of this 48 feet high building, cited. OSHA comes out, stops the work, cites them for fall protection. And when you're cited, you're supposed to fix it and show that you fixed it before you resume work. Just get back to work. We'll pay the fine. Not a problem. Yeah, we get it. It's unsafe. But guess what? You signed up for this. You want your paycheck? You got to earn it. And earning it means getting back up there and making this show happen. Well, evidently, the general contractor, the one who had hired the sub, heard about it and then came up and said, you're done. Get off my site. This is unacceptable. And tossed them off. So looking at the the dynamic here and looking at the importance of when as an organization, if you choose a, a contractor to come in and do work, are they going to manage their subs in the right way? Are they going to be able to manage the people that are around them? Are they going to look for the best and the, the brightest? One of my core philosophies is that you should look and here here's my two cents on if you were someone who has to choose a contractor, if you're at an organization and hopefully safety matters enough that they are asking you to be part of the recommendation process for new contractors, how is their safety? And I know there's a lot of great organizations, uh, that can evaluate contractors and subcontractors, Making sure they have policies, making sure they've do the OSHA log reviews, making sure insurance is all there. There's some companies that offer that service, and that's one way to go. The other way with really, really large projects, when you're talking about multi million dollar, even billion dollar projects on a company side or a building site is even interviewing the general contractor and asking some very pointed safety questions of how will you handle if this happens? How much supervision will you have on site? What kind of training do your supervisors have to see hazards? What authority do they have to stop the hazard if the hazard is happening? Uh, How are you going to select your subcontractors? What process do you use to vet them? And how much Feedback do they get? Are they required to have a safety program? Well, they have a safety person on site. All of those factors matter, so at one point, we were looking at a very large maintenance multi year maintenance contract for a huge facility, and we were going to bid it to a company and we did interviews and one of the criteria and they didn't know it. They were supposed to come in ready with a PowerPoint and they could make it anything they wanted. They could talk about their cost. They could talk about their service. They could talk about anything they wanted to talk about to make us want to make them the winner of this huge bid. And what they didn't know is if they didn't cover safety and if they didn't cover safety early on, they were excluded. They were not going to win that bid. And the ones who won were the ones who came in and they spent probably more time talking about the safety process and their people processes than they did talking about how much better they were in quality, how much better they were in cost or how effective they could be they started off with their safety message. Hey, looks like a nice day here today, but do you know the exits? We looked around, we see you have some exits and we think that's great. We would be happy to help. And they went in then too about their proactive safety. Our people are empowered to stop work. Our people are empowered to call out a hazard. Our subcontractors are vetted through this process. That makes a difference. That makes a huge difference. So let's talk a little bit more about evaluating our contractors, evaluating our subs, empowering not just our people at our site, but all people who come to our group. We'll talk more about that coming up in the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.
0: It's time to rehumanize the workplace. Having the means and methods to engage and empower your team is more important than ever. Fortunately, TSD Amalgamated is here for you. They focus on better understanding your organization's culture through team building, safety auditing, personal assessments, leadership training, and compliance-based systems. Their staff has the training, knowledge, and experience to help you achieve safety, compliance, and beyond. Visit TSDamalgamated.com for more information.
1: Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. We're talking this week about a new story that I read online and, and about an Illinois contractor who OSHA shows up, sees that people are working at 48 feet off the ground, no fall protection, unguarded rebar, ladders misused. Issue citations, and the supervisor goes, the show must go on, and sends his people right back up. It was only until the general contractor for the whole project showed up that they threw them off-site, fired them evidently on the spot, and made it stop. Now, Unfortunately, that doesn't stop that company's safety processes. They're still going to abuse their people. They're still going to mistreat a human being's life as if it means nothing. That the show was more important than a human. Unbelievable. And it's unbelievable that that attitude exists still to this day. It frustrates me. It angers me. And it, it's unacceptable that an attitude like that exists. And it exists in a lot of places. It exists in a lot of pockets within even great organizations. There are people who don't respect people. And how you fix that is more than I could probably ever diagnose ever. But the idea from an organizational standpoint, let's take a broader view of what we can control. And that's who we choose to be part of our organization, who we choose either through an interview process for who would represent us, or even who we choose to partner with as subcontractors, general contractors, service providers. A lot of my time have been selecting, Those subcontractors, and there's always a partnership. I've never worked anywhere where there wasn't a sub or a partner or a service provider that worked hand in hand doing some of the work wherever I was, whatever I was doing. And it was only in the nuclear world where it was like they really explained it that we don't care who reports to who. If they are within the confines of this restricted area, this area that you call your site. They matter, and you better be watching out for them, period, because safety doesn't, it's safety of everybody, regardless of who supervises who. Safety is for the people. Powerful message. And I'd generally speaking felt that way, but had never really heard it said from a regulatory process. Just how powerful that message is when you hear it. It doesn't matter they're your people because they're at your side. You have to do things to protect them. And that means training their other, training them, making sure their safety people could train them, empowering them to be able to make the right decisions when it came to their safety. So what is your plan? And this is something I'd never really considered until a few years ago, is if you have an, Embedded sub or a service provider that you use frequently in your organization, are you talking? If you're the safety person, uh, like I have been, are you talking to their safety people on some kind of regular basis? Every day? No. Maybe it's 30 minutes once a month. You pick up the phone, you call them, and you say, Hey, how are things? What's been happening in your world from a safety standpoint? Let's connect. Let's we're working together. We work together pretty frequently, or at least our teams do. We should know each other in hopes that they have a safety person, because that's usually a, a good indicator that they're trying. They're wanting to improve. They're wanting to find a path forward. Maybe you can be that mentor. Maybe you can help. Maybe they help you because you don't understand that that side of it as well. You can learn. It's a two way street and safety again, to me has no boundaries. Safety does not have a trade secret behind it. If it can protect a human being, we should be sharing it. And the example from the news story is the extreme, terrible example. And it leads for us to think about for us who are beyond that, we care enough that we're not doing that kind of stuff. But how do we take it one step further when it is a subcontractor of a general contractor or it's multiple layers down? How are we at one, if we're hiring the general, who's hiring the sub, who's hiring the sub, that we don't just ignore that maybe that many layers down there's a check or a process, but we're looking into it. We're checking on it. We're performing ever occasionally an audit or Just including them, if we're out there looking at our team, do we also look at their team and offer suggestions or even just stop the work because it's our side or our project? And if we're part of a subcontracting world and we are the service provider, how do we really increase our revenue and our valuable, how valuable we are to An organization because we are safe. That is a great value proposition. You don't have to worry about my organization working for you because we're going to be safe. We're going to do it the right way. And if we find anything wrong, we're going to let you know about it because we care that much about what we do. And we believe that that is a core value that you should have. And as a service provider, as a subcontractor, would your organization be willing to walk away from a deal or a contract if it put your people's safety at risk? Ooh, that's a scary proposition, too. But would would you be willing? Would it happen? Would it, would the discussion even? Would we talk about it? Would we try to find a win win? How would we be able to do that? These are all thoughts that we must have when it comes to putting our people in a situation where they have the ability and they are empowered and they are giving every opportunity to work as safe as they can and that they're empowered to do it. And we make it easy to make the right choice if a choice can be made. (laughs) So I want to end this episode to invite you over to my webpage, markafrench.com. I'd love for you to just take a stop by, and join me on my social media. All the links are at the top. I have a LinkedIn page. I would love to connect with other professionals. I use that page as kind of my personal, professional, that uh, things get posted there that are in that category. There's the Facebook page, which is for my consulting organization. So if you're interested in leadership topics, safety topics, that Facebook page would be a fantastic thing to jump on and give me a like there. And if you're looking for more of the uh, Mark French Unfiltered, which is honestly more geeky than it is like really unfiltered, but it's kind of my stream of consciousness kind of style. Uh, you could, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'd love to connect with you there also. I know Twitter's going through all kinds of crazy stuff, but I was an early adopter still use it. I kind of like it for that stream of consciousness, kind of like, Hey, here's what I'm saying today. Uh, join me. I would love to connect with you on social media and really enjoy continuing the conversation beyond just what we're talking about here. So until next time that we chant, stay safe.
0: listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.